is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. This is Chris Gunty, associate publisher and editor of the Catholic Review. This week on Catholic Review Radio, we're talking about Scripture and the Bible. The Sunday of the Word of God is coming up, January 23rd, and a lot of people like to add a spiritual element to their New Year's resolutions. So this is a good time to look at ways to bring more of Scripture into your life. Our first guest today is Cassie Manning, one of the co-founders of Every Sacred Sunday, which provides a beautiful book that brings together the Sunday readings along with Thoughts for Reflection, and a Space for Journaling. Welcome to the show, Cassie. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. So you're a molecular biologist. Your co-founder, Christy Peters, is an art teacher, artist, and illustrator. How did the two of you come up with the idea for every Sacred Sunday? <laughs> we, we get asked that question a bit, Chris, because we are, Christy and I are very different, as you said. Um, we were roommates in college. And then we both moved to Houston after college. We were working and in a Bible study together. And we were taking notes on the mass readings, you know, in the corner of the bulletin during the homily or on scraps of paper. And we would talk about it during our Bible study. And we had this just idea sitting at coffee one day. Wouldn't it be nice if I had a journal with the readings and space for notes all in one spot and, you know, sitting there, we looked for it on, you know, the worldwide internet and didn't find it. And it felt like this moment where we realized, whoa, this doesn't exist. And it's something that we felt maybe other people could benefit from as well. It was a resource we realized we wanted in our own lives. And that was kind of the founding idea of Every Sacred Sunday, to create a journal that would have those mass readings and space for notes all bound up in, I know, one kind of keepsake quality journal that Christy then does all our artwork for. So what does the Every Sacred Sunday book package consist of? Yeah, it's a good question. So the really foundation of the book is the mass readings for every Sunday and solemnity. So the major holy days of obligation of the year. Basically, I think of it as any day that, you know, we're really, you're going to mass, um, your readings are, are there. And it's the same translation as what we use at Mass, the idea that you can follow along. And then after the readings, there's a full page where you can take notes. So you can write down a verse that stands out to you or notes on the homily. And there's space for your prayer requests as well as what you're thankful for that week. And then Christy does artwork for each season. So the liturgical seasons have artwork and reflections for them. And that's all in a hardcover journal. Um, that also comes with um, the dated in tab. So I don't know about you, but I'm pretty easily distractible. <laughs> and so if I say, oh, what's the reading for today? What's today? The third Sunday of what? And I'll end up Googling it online and then I'll go down a rabbit hole of reading a news article or something. Right. And so it has the dated in tabs where you just follow date by date. Oh, look, oh, there's a solemnity coming up next week. Perfect. I can put that in my calendar. 
Um, so that's the foundation of the journal. And then it comes with, we like to include, you know, kind of some fun freebies. It comes with a printable liturgical calendar, stickers, a prayer card, that kind of thing, and all the packaging. Um, we've been working on doing all more sustainable packaging, so all recycled materials, things like that, um, to make sure it arrives to you in a very safe uh, box is something we always work on because shipping is pretty crazy right now. So as I'm sure people have realized, yes. Yeah, and of course it's got it, it's got the nice little ribbon tab that you can that you can use to keep track of where you are in the year. So that works out really well. Exactly. We I mean we knew nothing about making books, Chris, right? It was a totally new thing for us. Um, but we loved kind of the process of working with the printer. We print in the USA. Um, and so we really are able then to monitor the quality of these and make sure that they're something that you can look back on at the end of the year and see all the different things you were praying for and, and the themes of what was striking you in the readings. Um, I think that reflection is really powerful. Mm -hmm. So do people really take this to church and take notes? Uh, do other parishioners look at you funny when you're writing during the homily? <laughs> People do, yeah. I've even seen people in my own parish randomly and I go, oh wow, there's a book, I call it Out in the Wild. Yes, yes, exactly. Right, and that always you know, gives me the warm fuzzies. Um, but people use it in different ways. Some people will use it before mass uh -huh. to read the readings beforehand and I really recommend that. It's like your heart then is more prepared to hear the word of God at mass. Right. Um, other people really like using it to take notes on the homily. And some people want to just use it. I talk to a lot of moms and mass is busy. I've, I've got a little baby. I'm not holding a book on my lap during mass. I'm holding a baby. Right. But for me, it's something that I like afterwards to then try and take a couple notes before. Otherwise, it's in one ear and out the other for me. Right. Right. Um, so people use it in different ways. Yeah, I know. I, I like your thought about you know read, looking at the readings beforehand. Uh, our parishes in the archdiocese have a connection to my parish app, which includes the, the mm -hmm. daily readings. And so that's always a good way to kind of hear it, read it before you hear it proclaimed. Mm -hmm. And that's a good way to do that. So what are some of the things that you hear from people who read and use every Sacred Sunday? I hear from people, especially in this last year, where a lot of people's mass routines have been dramatically changed and then back again or you know, everyone's experiencing the last two years in different ways, that this has been able to kind of tether people to the rhythm of centering your week in the readings, right? I've heard from people that it helps make the readings not just that hour on Sunday, but it helps them think through the readings through the whole week. Um, and that is our goal, you know, to, to make Mass the center of our week. Mm -hmm. On your website, you emphasize the beauty of these journals. You you talked about them being you know locally created. They're hardcover. They come in a box. Um, the art, the illustrations, a really nice covering. Heavy pages for taking notes, which is really nice, mm -hmm. so that stuff doesn't bleed through. Why is beauty so important to this project? Uh, beauty is what draws us in. You know, I mean, I think beauty is the way that we express this longing we have for God, this ultimate beauty of God. And I, I think um, that when you have something physical in your hands, whether it's a, a, a beautiful book or um, a piece of artwork that you put up in your home, that um, celebrating those little moments of beauty in our life helps us be more aware, I think, of, of God 
throughout our day. So that is for Christy and I, why we really try to help people focus on taking things sometimes a little bit slower, um, appreciating the beauty of a book of, you know, our theme this year is be still and know that I am God. So take that time to be still and, and see the beauty all around us. Mm-hmm. How did you get this off the ground? How, how long have you been doing this? Our first book released in 2017. So uh, we're, getting, we're getting close to, this is our fifth edition now. Um, we did not have, you know, like I said, the, the experience. So we got it off the ground self-publishing through Kickstarter. It's a crowdfunding platform. So I was really, um, we were so blown away and humbled by the fact that people supported us on Kickstarter because that was them trusting us, Mm -hmm. um, saying, I'm going to pledge that I'll give you money before we ever had a product so that we could go and, and print that very first print run. And I'm forever grateful for that because that was the impetus that then now each year we're, we're able to continue printing books. Mm-hmm. And of course, you work with the, the publishers to get the rights to do the book, the, the readings and all of those things that are kind of the nitty gritty of the publishing world. Yes. That is, that is not a, yes. One of the other things I really like about it is that the standard prayers are in the front and back. So they're very easy to, re- to refer to. So, you know, you, you've got the prayers that are within the mass, but also kind of some other prayers. Why do you think that's important for people to have that readily available to them? One thing that was on our mind with including the prayers in the cover, right? So not just, you know, the, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, but some of the responses we say during Mass is we wanted this to be something for someone who maybe hasn't been to Mass in a while, or maybe they're new and they're thinking about joining the church um, or they're going through RCIA. We wanted the book to be a very welcoming resource where it says, we meet you where you're at so that you could come into mass and you could follow along and and easily have those prayers accessible. Um, Things like that's something we've heard. And it was something for me, I had been asked to be an RCIA sponsor for a friend when we were creating the book. And I thought, I don't feel qualified to be an RCIA sponsor. What, what can we talk about? What can I do to help? And I thought I can make sure we talk about the mass and that we, you know, make sure each other is going to mass and go together and make sure that she feels welcome at mass. And so that was what, one of the reasons we wanted all those prayers in the cover. That's great. So the important question, where can people get the books every Sacred Sunday? Yes, our website is everysacredsunday.com. And we are currently selling our journals in two cover options. There's a lovely blush and a navy. We sell in both the USA and in Canada. And it's for this liturgical year. So it's a great time right now at the start of 2022 when this is airing to kind of jump into a a new habit if you would want to prepare with these mass readings beforehand. Right. The liturgical year just began with the first Sunday of Advent. So it just began, yeah. We're just a few weeks into it. It's not too late to start. Correct. And and from Christy and myself, we are just so thankful. I mean, this started as a a side passion and now um, this is what we both do full time, you know, supporting our families. And it's allowed us um, just to be able to bring something to the world that's been on our hearts is amazing. So we're very thankful. Awesome. Well, that is a good way to start the year. We've been talking with Cassie Manning, one of the co-founders of Every Sacred Sunday. It's a book for reading and reflecting on the Sunday Mass readings as we prepare for the Sunday of the Word of God, which is coming up January 23rd. Thanks so much for being with us today, Cassie. 
Thank you, Chris. You have a great one. Thanks. After the break, we're going to talk with Mark Hart, who's known as the Bible Geek, as we discuss scripture for 2022. This is Chris Gundy, and you're listening to Catholic Review Radio. Archdiocese of Baltimore makes the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org accountability. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. A report released by several UN agencies warned that the number of those suffering from hunger in Latin America and the Caribbean is at the highest point in 15 years. According to the Regional Overview of Food Security and Nutrition 2021, published late last year, an estimated 59.7 million people in the region suffered from hunger in 2020. That was a 30% increase, or 13.8 million additional people compared to 2019. In South America, the number of those suffering from hunger increased by 18 million people between 2014 and 2020. However, the report said half of the increase, an estimated 9 million people, occurred between 2019 and 2020 in the context of the COVID-19 pandemic. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm George Matisek. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. This is Chris Gundy of the Catholic Review, and we are back on Catholic Review Radio. This segment, we're talking with Mark Hart, Chief Innovation Officer for Life Teen, an international youth ministry. Mark Hart has been involved in youth ministry for more than 26 years and has written more than 20 books. He's known to many around the world as the Bible Geek, and he's heard daily on Sirius XM's The Catholic Channel. Mark and his wife, Melanie, have four children and live in Phoenix, Arizona. Welcome to the show, Mark. Chris, good to see you, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well. So I've known you for a long time, back when we oh, were yeah. both and lived in Arizona, even before you got that nickname, the Bible Geek. How did that get started? <laughs> Yeah, uh, it, it really was a, a Holy Spirit-inspired moment. Uh, it happened when I was working at a parish in youth ministry. I was, uh, long story short, I was leading a Bible study with teenagers. This was with the dawn of a thing called the internet, and email was getting very big. And I had to head out of town uh, to give a talk. So I, I sort of sent the lesson to the teens uh, via their email. And I, I just signed it. It was, it was a late night, and it was a Holy Spirit moment. And I just signed it instead of signing my name, Mark, I just signed Bible Geek. And what was funny was every one of the teens, all 10 of them wrote me back and said like, I love that name. They were laughing, you know, that kind of thing. And it just kind of stuck after that. I started sending emails to them regularly. And then uh, I kind of created a pseudonym and we offered it to the Life Team website. And what was astounding was that I, I started offering a free bi-weekly, uh, twice a week uh, email last that just had a scripture reflection on it. And anybody that want to sign up could sign up with their email. And in the span of a year, we had about 52,000 people sign up. It was just crazy. It, it just took off. And it just really uh, opened my eyes to how badly Catholics, young and old, desired Scripture, a desired relationship with Scripture, but many of them did not know where to start. So those reflections were a, a nice stepping off point for many of them. 
Yeah. So as the Bible geek, you must have been thrilled when Pope Francis uh, established the commemoration of the Sunday of the Word of God, which this year will be celebrated January 23rd. What does that kind of recognition of the Word of God mean for you? Well, I, th I think it's a, it's, it's a great way to make a call, right? We all saw, um, um, my good friend, uh, Father Mike Schmitz, I mean, so many people are doing this Bible of the Year podcast, right? And we've seen it just take off. Again, it just shows us again that, I mean, scriptures as Catholics is one of our greatest family heirlooms. That's, that's our book. Our church compiled the sacred scriptures, right? So every other denomination of, of our brothers and sisters, they all owe the Catholic church a debt of gratitude. And it's, it's kind of ironically sad, maybe funny, I'm not sure what the word is, that the Pope would actually have to say this, right, to kind of give us all a little wake-up call. But I'm still glad he did, because this is, this is, and I'm constantly saying this, you know, if someone says, where do I start reading scripture? What book do I start in? What book should I use? I usually say, you start with the Sunday readings. You start with what you're already hearing. Start with what we're already doing and get into that rhythm and that cycle first. Our church is so brilliant when she lays out the readings over a three-year span of cycles that you know, we're gonna hear a majority of the Bible, but she lays them out with purpose and with strategy and with intentionality. And if we can read the word of God in the 167 hours, Chris, that we're not at mass, right, on Sunday, the other 167, if we can fit in those four readings, first, second, don't forget the Psalm, right? And the gospel, we can, we can, we can see those, study those, read those, hear those in the 167 hours prior to Sunday mass. Well, then we're familiar with the text when we go in there. And now the whole first half of mass has context, right? Now we already know what to listen for. We're familiar with the readings. And now our entire liturgy of the word, our whole first half of the mass experience is not dependent solely on whether or not a lector can pronounce something or whether or not we get distracted by something else in the church, right? Because we've given God the opportunity to open our minds, to open our hearts to those truths prior to mass. And now when we're at mass, we can receive more of what the Holy Spirit wants to give us. Our guest on the first segment was Cassie Manning, who uh, is one of the co-founders of Every Sacred Sunday, which is a, a really beautiful book to help people reflect on the readings for the Sunday Masses and Solemnities. It's got space for people to write journal notes and things like that, take notes during the homily. But you're talking about the fact that this scripture is kind of embedded in the Liturgy of the Word. But aren't there a lot of places in the liturgy where the prayers themselves come from scripture? And so aren't we hearing scripture in a whole nother way in there too? Oh, absolutely. I mean, from the opening blessing, 2 Corinthians 13, 13, to every single amen, which is you know, throughout scripture. I mean, all of the prayers of consecration, whether they come from the Psalms. I mean, even the part, you know, there's, there's that part at mass. And maybe before COVID, people never paid attention to this, where the priest turns and washes his hands, you know, and, and it's, it's a symbolic gesture. He's not really sanitizing at that point, you know, it's right. called the lavabo where he goes and washes his hands. That even echoes a prayer from Psalm 51 after David sins and he's repenting. And he's, you know, he's going to cleanse me from my iniquities, O Lord. And, and it's the prayer that the priest utters showing his own sinfulness. Every single movement, every single moment throughout the course of the liturgy, whether it's spoken and it's taken from Psalms, whether it's taken from, um, from Ecclesiastes, uh, Proverbs, whether it's taken from Romans or Corinthians or Revelation, every single moment in mass, every prayer spoken is scriptural, either ex exactly from scripture or is rooted and based in scripture. And even the, the smaller movements, Chris, even the ones where there's nothing spoken, for instance, uh, when the deacon or the priest raises the book of readings, when, when there's an elevation of the, of the host and of the chalice, an elevation of the crucifix, even that is supposed to point us back to Numbers 21 and Moses elevating a, a snake and a serpent, a, a bronze serpent in the desert, or Christ being elevated on the cross, you know, that we talk about in John 3, he talks about Nicodemus. There are so many elements, every movement, every moment in the liturgy is steeped in and rooted in scripture. And the more we come to know scripture, 
now the more the mass really comes to life. And now our theological imagination really can come to life in a new way because we can kind of understand that the church rooted in scripture is trying to draw our hearts, draw all of our senses. That's why the mass, we should be on sensory overload, right? It's, just, it's, it's when all of us, we can, we can see, smell, taste, touch the Lord in a new way, in a sacramental way. You know, you, you mentioned that. And even there's the, that one uh, that we say, you know, just before receiving communion, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. You know, that also echoes the, the gospel, uh, you know, where the, the centurion says, I'm not worthy for you to come and heal me, but say the word. You know, and and so mm -hmm. when I when we hear those kinds of things, it's just so great to understand this is where it comes from. It's not just that we made up these words. These words were given to us in the Bible, in the scripture from way back. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and that's what's, what's so beautiful and so genius is that once you learn it, Chris, you can't unlearn it. If that makes sense, right? right? Once you make that distinction, that correlation between, for instance, the centurion being healed and, and ourselves as we go forward, once we make those associations, it's almost impossible not to see it through that lens. And now, as, as we all have a tendency to do as humans, when our mind wanders during mass, because we're human, and it's going to wander sometimes, right? A child's going to cry. Someone's going to come in late. You know, someone in the, in the music ministry is going to be off key. Something's going to happen that's going to distract us. Now it becomes easier because we have these anchors, these benchmarks, these, these contact points. It becomes easier to draw into the liturgy and to refocus because we see what's happening in front of us. So you talked about the fact that a really great place to start is to simply open up the scriptures, open up the Sunday readings before you get to Mass. Mm -hmm. What are some other ways as people start the new year for them to get more deeply involved in scripture? That's a great question. Uh, number one, I'd say is download a Bible app to your phone. It, that's really, really important because, I mean, we are all so obsessed with our phones, right? But when, you'll never know when you're, you're in a doctor's office and you've got 15 or 20 minutes and let's be honest, maybe an hour to kill when you're in the waiting room, right? right. You're sitting, maybe it's, maybe it's a parent sitting in a minivan waiting for their kids to get out of school or out of a sports thing or a, or a music thing or whatever, dance thing. And you have like those 10 or 15 minutes. We're so inclined to always check our Facebook or to go to you know, check our uh, check our Twitter feed or go look at Instagram. We look at all these other things. But if you have the app right there on your phone, if you have it on, right on an iPad or a tablet or something when you're sitting at home, if, you, if it's there, the options there, you can get into that cycle of maybe you read the daily readings or you know what, maybe you just pick a book and you start working through it. Now, not all books are equal, right? So I'd say, and, and it's even better to have a real Bible, have it in your car, have it at your desk at work you know, over lunch hour, have it you know, on your nightstand, have it on the, on the, on the, on the, on the coffee table. I say have a Bible in every room of your house. You always want to have one within five or 10 feet you can always grab it at any point. But then it's, it's like, well, where do I start? It's a great question. You, know, you don't start in Genesis. I know it seems counterintuitive, but Genesis can get really tricky. It's got a lot of, lot of elements to it, a lot of levels to it, right? And you have to understand you know, analogical writing. And you have to understand some of the allegorical writing and some of those kinds of things, especially in early Genesis. If you're just cutting your teeth and you're not accustomed to reading scripture, you start in the Gospel of Mark. <laughs> it's the best one. No, you start in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, it's, it's the shortest. It's the most action-packed, but you start there because you're familiar with the stories already. These are stories you've heard a hundred times. These are names you're familiar with. You're not going to get as caught up in, in, in sites and places that you can't find on a map anymore, names you can't pronounce. And, it's, and you don't have to dig as deep when it comes to cultural idioms and understandings of, of the ancient world of you know, 2000 BC and on. So you start in the Gospel of Mark. You read it in bite-sized pieces. You don't read a whole chapter at a time. You're not trying to you know, win any races here. It's not a mystery novel. You read, you, know, you look at the chapters, they have sub-chapters. Just read one sub-chapter at a time. Right? You can get the Gospel of Mark, for instance, in chapter one. You read the baptism of Jesus. It's only three verses. 
but you can spend 15 minutes meditating on those three verses and God's going to reveal something to you. He's going to, he's going to open your eyes or your heart to new reality. Even though you've heard the story a hundred times, start in the book of James. James is great. You know, Romans is really heavy, really dense theology. You want to look at St. Paul and say, buddy, use a comma. I mean, come on. I mean, it's really, it's, it's hard to get through, but you get to the book of, you know, in Romans is about how you get to heaven. Right. And that's a great theology. The book of James is about how do you put up with annoying people on earth? How do you put up with sinners? How do you put up with temptation? How do you put up with gossip? Stuff that's still true today, right? Book of James is very practical. You, you have, have a book that you can open on an app, for instance, like if you're in a waiting room, go to Proverbs, go to Psalms, go to Sirach. Sirach is great. It's like a Catholic fortune cookie. Timeless wisdom, 3,000 years old. It still makes sense in the context of 2021 or 22. So these are these moments that if you have just a few books you can go to, you know, you go to a Mark, a James, a Proverbs, a Sirach, a Psalms, a, a Ecclesiastes. It's the Bible's only book on philosophy, right? You can go to a First Corinthians and it talks about how to, how to act and function as an early church. Acts of the Apostles. We never read Acts outside of Easter season, but it's, it's got tons of amazing stories. And you see human frailty, you see sin, and grace, you see human and divine collide. It's, there's so many wonderful moments. It's just about knowing where to start and then putting yourself in a position to be successful. If you say to yourself, hey, it's a new year. I want to start reading scripture. You know, if you don't say I'm going to start reading scripture an hour a day. That's like going to, if you haven't been to the gym in 20 years, you're going to work out for three hours, you'll be able to move for two weeks. You say, I'm going to start with three minutes a day, five minutes a day. The Lord is not going to be disappointed in you if you only read scripture five minutes a day. If previously you never read it, I mean, he's going to rejoice, right? Anytime a sinner comes back to him, every time his sons and daughters seek him, he rejoices. And it says in James 4, 8, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. So to set that five minutes aside, 10 minutes aside, and do it what works for you. If you're really a morning person, great. Open up God's word over a cup of coffee. If in the morning you got to get going, then maybe take your Bible with you to lunch. If you're a night person, you know, grab a, you know, grab a cup of tea, pour a glass of wine, grab a beer, sit down and read the word of God for 15 minutes. It will change your life if you let it. That is awesome. We've been talking today about scripture with Mark Hart, who is Chief Innovation Officer for Life Team, and he's known worldwide as the Bible Geek. Thank you so much for being with us today, Mark. Great to see you, Chris. Thanks for having me. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Review Radio. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow The Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. 
Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.